This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Special guest, longtime NASCAR race director David Hoots is in the house. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I hope we have a good time this afternoon. This I'm, is. I'm afraid I'm going to get called down here sometime today. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yes, I'm, I'm just watching what I'm going to say. Well, you can say anything. I don't have a trailer I can here say to call anything? you. Into. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, Nate Ryan did something for me. And got this is a copy basically of a NASCAR rules mm. and things in the rule book the way you get. You've you've read this, I assumed, at some point in time, at, one of them. At some point in time. You yes, did sir. really? Oh Steve Latart told me to ask you that, by the way. He oh, was the one that wanted me to I had see a little bit really of involvement read. in a few rules books meeting, yes, sir. Okay. And some, a few with Steve Latart probably too. Uh there was there's a, probably a long list that we've had conversations about. And it it wasn't testing uh, to find out my heredities or anything, or checking <laughs> the family fans or anything. This is exciting for me. Let's uh, let's check out our starting grid before I cruise on by. We know that Joe Gibbs Racing has been on a roll this year, but can they lock out the championship four in Miami? That's a great question. Plus, with two races to go, can a pair of bubble drivers battle their way back into a playoff spot? And we want to hear what you have to say at the hashtag, let me say this. Nate Ryan's going to be here later to talk about this. And I hope you guys realize what a big deal it is to have David Hoots here. Because you can call and ask those questions that you've always wanted to ask a race director. So give us a call. 1-844-NASCAR-NBC. That's 844-NASCAR-NBC. Share your thoughts on JGR, the playoffs, a whole lot more. Or perhaps you just have a question. You know, say, David, as a race director, what do you think about this call? I want y'all to know this is the most time I've ever spent with David Hoots officially because I don't typically get invited to the morning meetings. We would I'd saw you a lot of times on a golf cart. You always looked like you were really working, but I'm gonna try not to be nervous because if you see David previously at the racetrack, you thought, I hope I'm on the right side of whatever's yes. about to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I invited myself to the meeting on Friday and Dale said it went really well. <laughs> it did. So that being said, uh, David. Are you still watching the races at home as, as closely as you used to? Uh, yes, sir. I, I don't think I'll ever get out of that. I've, I've, I've had this passion to watch the races over the years from a young child uh, to now. So I still enjoy them. I do watch them. Um, maybe watch them more intently now <laughs> from a different perspective, sure. naturally, but I do enjoy them. How many years did you work with NASCAR? Uh, I was an official for 46 years in different capacities. So you started when he was five, yes. obviously. Yeah. When did you two meet? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, that would have been a long time ago. Probably at Hickory Speedway would have been the first Late time. Late 70s, early yeah. 80s. Yeah. yeah, just as I was getting my career kind of started. 
Really? And is, is Hickory where you started? That's where you got kind of dove in there with, with racing? I, I started at, at the home track in Weston at Bowman Gray. And then uh, as I, I worked my way up through, we started branching out. I was fortunate that I started going to different touring races and everything and, and worked um, Hickory Speedway and Caraway Speedway and Bowman Gray. And then it expanded to more of the original races throughout the southeast, and, and at that time, it was fairly much a southeasternly-based state store sport. Sure. Yeah. How funny. Did you know that when you met him at Hickory all those years ago that one day he was going to be? No, there were two things that, no, I had no idea really with that, but I think at the time you were, was that you were working for UPS mm -hmm. also at the time. So uh, then, as things would have, he goes to work for NASCAR, and then in 2001, UPS became my sponsor at Robert Yates Racing. So we had that in common. I told him, I said, look, I've got this on the side of my car now. A few favorable calls <laughs> along the way would be, he didn't buy into that. Didn't buy into that at all. <laughs> Good try, though. I mean, my man's by the book, that's for sure. Yes. Speaking of by the book, we are going to go to the phones. We're going to start, this is crazy, is it Carl? Is that, is that Carl? Possible. First call, is that NASCAR? It's me, guys. How are you? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Good. Uh, let me just speak for all Motor Mouth Nation. I know it's been talked a lot, but... <laughs> Take this time to say once again, Dale, family, glad you're okay. Motormouth Nation's thinking of you. And uh, with that being said, Mr. Hoots, is there a particular race or particular moment from a race that was that over your career that just, wow, that you'll never forget? I, I think, uh, first off, I echo the sentiments that Dale Jr. is all right and, and uh, knowing what everybody does, not just Dale and his family, but the travel it's it's concerning, but I am glad that he's safe and doing well and Amen. back on a quick road to not necessarily recovery, but settling down and getting his life uh, going that way. Um, I think there's many great moments, and as I was trying to recap some things today, if you the different eras of the racing, you can think through things that are exciting or whatever. Uh, some of them I were probably a little closer to the action than I wanted to be. <laughs> One comes to mind that uh, when uh, when we were up at Martinsville and I was still working on the ground, uh, the great finish of Jeff Bodine and Richie Evans coming to the checkered flag and, and don't recall who was up in the fence going just as fast as the driver on the car because at the time my position was on the start to finish line. And, and I felt the need to run over to the concession stand just as far away from the racetrack <laughs> as these two cars were coming to the start-finish line. But it, it was a great finish to watch. That's one that comes to mind real real quickly. And then um, the, some of the finishes at Darlington, uh, watching, watching Dale at Michigan, I think, win his first race there mm -hmm. and how close a battle it was. There, there's, there's so many of them, it would be hard to recap them in an hour show. Well... I mean, obviously, it's it's easy to to be a big fan of, of of Dale Jarrett's Hall of Famer and everything he's done. And I know that you try to always be impartial. Now that you're sitting back and watching as a fan, are there a couple of drivers that you say like, all right, I am a fan of this person? I think I'm a fan of all of them because I respect uh, what they can do or what they're doing. Uh, Lord knows, uh, I didn't have the tenacity or the wherewithal to do it, or maybe too pragmatic to do what they do. Um, I knew that growing up, I was somewhat weight challenged and weight is everything in a race car, but to watch what they could do with a race car, you have to have complete respect for every level of driver out there. It doesn't matter the series. 
what they're doing and what they're attempting to do. I, I, I think those those are the ones. It's good to see great stories like watching uh, uh, Diabetto run at, at Bristol. It's good to see every now and then the underdog get a real good chance. And and I'm sure that I was probably rooting uh, more for him Saturday night when I was watching that than than uh, than Denny and. Uh, no, it didn't have anything to do with the sponsorships <laughs> of the course. cars. Of course <laughs> so, not. So, but uh, um, watching stuff like that, it's it's good to see those. Yeah, I agree. You were, were you? I mean, watching you on Victory Lane for the record, like that that moment when Denny came up to the desk. Mm-hmm. Well, I watched you and Kyle so intently because it was such that that respect that was shared in that moment, and the way that you guys reached out to to Matt. To me, it was really special he had that moment with Denny, but for a Hall of Famer and for Kyle Petty to lean over and, and give a little piece of your heart to say, like, man, that was huge. Yeah. To me, I loved that. Yeah, what a great moment that was. I mean, when, when have we seen the second-place finisher, and especially someone that was within eight laps of their first career win, after learning just that week that they weren't going to have that ride anymore? I mean, so many things into that. But this was just such a special time between two great competitors and, and to see, you know, Denny was genuine in everything that he was saying and doing. I mean, if he could go back and know that he's probably going to win 10, 12 more races, you never know when that last win's coming, and Denny's going to win a lot more. Sure. But you have to. that's your job. You have to go do it. But if he could have just – he would have if he could have just held back and say, hey, my man's done the great job here, just, just let him go. But, you know, that's not what you do as a competitor. You just can't do it. But, uh, you know, he knows that Matt's going to get – Uh, something's going to come his way, and he'll be back in that position again. That's for sure. Let's go back to the phones. We're going to take a call from Marvin Blue. What's up, Marvin? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing really good, Rutledge. How you doing, uh, Dale? And it's an honor to chat with you, Mr. Hoots. Uh, You were a great race director for NASCAR, so it's an honor to chat with you, sir. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I I appreciate the compliment. I would would remind you all, it was not just one person doing this job. It's a team of officials – directing a race and that still holds true very much today that you're you're hearing the race director do a lot of the talking but it's a truly a team effort and if they're doing a good job you don't notice what they're doing and I think that was one of the things that we strive the most for that that we're not the show the show is the cars and the drivers racing we're out there to keep it moving on and to to maintain some law and order for sure Marvin what's on your mind buddy well, Mr. Hoots, uh, my question to you is, sir, uh, what do you miss the most about being the race director for NASCAR, and do you have a favorite for this weekend's races at Road America and most sports this weekend? Well, I, I would say a couple things. I enjoyed doing what I was doing, and to relate, that was somewhat like my golf game. It was, it was we did a lot of things during the course of the week that was work, that was actual work, but this was this was my golf game, um, and it was the closest that I was ever going to get to compete. So it was it was somewhat my golf game. The other part of it is that I miss the relationships that you had at the racetrack, whether it be with a competitor, somebody at the racetrack, people that you have worked with and still work with in some cases for over 30, 35 years. It's uh, um, one of the examples would be like a, a Clay Campbell, and I still talk to him quite often. But I remember when his grandfather had him running around Martinsville Speedway at a young age, and 
These are relationships that you don't get to. And then the other thing is to see the excitement of the great fans that follow the racing around there, that they truly walk into these, these racetracks in awe, just like I did the first time that I walked into a big racetrack or, or the first time you drive through the tunnel at Daytona. I don't care who you are. You get a charge coming up out of that tunnel in turn four and seeing what in my world was somebody thinking when they built this. Yeah. Right. I think that's how a lot of people feel about this show. So we're going to take more of your calls and a lot more with David Hoots. But there's news today for both Xfinity and Truck Series. That's next on Motor Mouth. Welcome back. Racing legend Mario Andretti will be honorary pace car driver for next month's playoff race on the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. How cool is that? Mario took a test drive on the Roval in 2017 and gave valuable feedback to help make the track what it is today. Also in the news, competition updates for next season in both the Xfinity and Truck Series. Xfinity Series field will be capped at 36 cars. Also, cup drivers with at least three years of full-time experience will be capped at five starts in both Xfinity and Trucks. Huh. How about that? Yes. So basically, we, would we call that like the Kyle Busch rule? Or, I mean, uh, we could come up with a foot up, but yeah, yeah, we can put it there. But, you know, it's just it's, changing the rules. It's for but everyone. It's for, it's for everybody. You know. I'm going to have to say this about Mario Andretti driving the pace. The field may have a tough time keeping up. That's, That's all sure. I can say. There's, there's no. Because a man can still drive today if he amen. wanted to. There's yeah. no quitting him. Are you surprised about uh, capping at 36? No, I think it's time with that. You know, we're seeing some some smaller fields and things. And, uh, you know, I, I like that idea. I, I think it also probably gets in a position to where we have, uh, you know, where qualifying does matter uh, for some of that because now we're seeing where the fields are just that, you know, that number that, that it's going to be. So we may, you know, get to where it's kind of knockout qualifying with some people going home. Sure. Yeah. And maybe maybe it means also maybe some of those smaller teams can combine and actually do better combining those forces. You know, and the other side of it is if we downsize the number of that, we keep the purses the same or up that, then everybody's making a little bit more money with a smaller field. Quality over quantity. All right. Well, you guys, this is so exciting. David Hoots is here. We're going to go back to the phones. We've got Bob on the line. Bob, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. Hope you guys are having a good night. Um my question is for all three of you guys, which bubble driver do you think to make the playoffs? I was hoping maybe Chris Busher could make it. Chris? Chris would be great. Uh, He's been running really, really well. I mean, that team is performing at a higher level. But, you know, for him to make it, it's obviously going to take a win. But um, uh, at this point, I think Clint Boyer is, is one. Even though he's sitting right outside now, I, I think that Boyer – for these next two races, even though it's been, gosh, a downhill slide for him, I think he puts it together and has a good race at Darlington and, and Indy and finds himself back in that top 16. David, what do you think? You, you got a, an eye on anybody? I, I think Boyer gets it if they can eliminate some of their self-induced mistakes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm leery with Jimmy Johnson in making this crew chief change, even though the work's done far out in advance. It's it's going to be a quick turnaround to make that jail the way it needs to jail to, to jump into the, into the playoffs. You know what? I think Jimmy's going to do it. Hmm. I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy Johnson is going to show us that, you know what? I, yeah. Just because there's some changes, there's some other things. I'm still a seven-time champion. That's right. So, I, me personally, I think he's going to go for it. Good. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Tom on the line. Tom, what's on your mind? Not a whole lot, y'all. How y'all doing? 
We are great, buddy. Thank you. You bet. Hey, I got a question for David Hoots and then for you, Rod. But first, David Hoots, I'm a big fan of yours. And, and, and David, what do you think about Chase Elliott's chances of winning the championship, no offense? I, I think, well, when we, when we reset and start in the playoffs, everybody has the same chance. Some of them are somewhat handicapped with the point differentials if you're relying strictly on points, but with the ability to win in advance to the next round. It's, to me, pretty much uh, ability to get in just on wins, and I could see that he could get on a hot streak of three or four wins, and then the points start taking care of itself. The points are really a more of a, a safety factor for somebody than if, if you're really hot and winning on three or four races. That's the ticket. That's, that's a guaranteed win versus or, or getting to Homestead versus – just points. Sure. So, yeah. and he's play, he showed up well in the playoffs every year. I think mm-hmm. so. He's one of those big time drivers. I mean, I think he's got. It's funny when you watch Chase. There's because he's so kind of calm and and cool. You kind of can't ever tell. Like, oh, is this one that he's like more pumped up? About? He's always kind of just right down the middle. Where did he get that from? That's I weird. I don't yeah. know. Maybe been his dad or anything like that. <laughs> oh, you mean? The, oh, that's the young fellow that ran at Road America last year. That, that fella, yeah, I saw that him. Rookie. Oh, yeah, that rookie, rookie right? last year. Awesome yeah. bill, that fella. We're going to Mike on the line next. Mike, uh, you want to talk about Matt Benedetto? Yeah, hey, good to see you guys. You guys are awesome. <laughs> um, you know how other series have the, the blue flag for lap down cars? I kind of feel that Ryan Newman cost Matt Benedetto that race. What do you think? So that's a question that anytime people talk about Newman, they talk about how hard he is to pass. But if you phrase it like that, I'll ask you, Dale, did Matt, did, did Ryan Newman cost Matt Benedetto the win? Yeah, that's, you know, would, it's pure speculation. He certainly didn't help his chances because anytime you mess up the fenders and spe- the, the front fenders on these cars, it's going to make a difference in the way that it drives. And so uh, Matt stated that his car got extremely tight after that contact. So you have to think that he would have had a better chance at holding Denny off. But we don't really know that answer. I, I don't know that Newman did that much wrong. Would you like to see someone uh, late in the race give the leader a little more uh, room than that? But he was coming up on a lap car. Uh, he was trying to, you know, not go a lap down there. So, you know, it, it's racing and, and it's hard. And, and uh, you know, you could just as easily say, well, Matt could have seen ahead what was ahead of him. He could have backed out and, and waited another another corner there. But, you know, he's trying to keep Denny Hamlin behind him. So, uh, right. yeah, that's just unfortunately the way things happen sometimes Newman's a hard racer and you can't take that against him he's sitting inside the playoffs right now with a race car that's really not capable of being one of the top 16 I mean if he was five laps down it's a different call right I, I totally I don't I don't don't recall whether he was a lap down or not but if he was racing to stay in the lead more power to you because typically NASCAR would never give him the they would show him the passing flag but they expect him to race to stay in the lead lap. Oh, yeah. And just one caution, he's caught back up. His whole race changes. He's not trying to hold up Matt. He's trying to protect what he had. Yeah, he's trying, to your point, he's trying to fight for that championship. Yeah. Plus, here's the other thing about the crazy and speculation when you look at the race. 
So one person could look at that and say, oh, well, maybe it cost Matt to win. What we don't know is if Matt had gotten around him easier and then the car in front of him loses a break and Matt's out of the race totally. So the weird, yeah. like, sliding no. doors effect of life is that, well, he got second <laughs> and it was huge. Who knows what would happen? But if I'm paying a driver to get every spot he can and we got a shot at the championship, I'd want Ryan Newman at the wheel, and I don't care who's behind him. Yep. Coming up, Austin Sendrick joins us as he gets set to race this weekend at Road America. Stay with us. Zippo 200 at the Glen. Austin Cedric for today be his day. Austin Cedric now to the back bumper. Cooper pushes him up out of the groove. Take the lead, trying to hang on to the race car. This is the battle for the win. He'll get his first Xfinity Series win. What a turnaround for Austin Sindrick. The win last week and the pole this week at Mid-Ohio. See what he can do with the field today. Oh, nice drive wow. off the corner by Sindrick. That is a power move. He will not be denied that lead. Full day for Austin Sindrick. Austin Sindrick is going to get the biggest win of his life at Mid-Ohio. Austin Sindrick is going to try to make it three in a row on the road courses this Saturday at Road America here on ESN. NBCSN. He is kind enough to pay us a visit today. Austin, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So exciting. Yeah, kind of a big deal. It's, it, it's a huge he deal. He wins two road races in a row, then goes to Bristol and wins the pole. And narrowly and escapes. Kyle Busch. I'm having to say that. Which is a big That's deal. Big. I'll take it. I'll take it. And then you did one of those Jedi mind tricks where you had an inch on either side of your car. <laughs> that was terrifying. And threaded a needle. No, it was not a good day to be wearing a white fire suit. Right? Totally not. At, <laughs> at all. I don't know. How do you, can you explain how much time you have to react to something like that? There's a downshift right about here when I think the 20 is going to go inside my race car. But that was, um, yeah, that was terrifying. Um, thanks to my spotter, Jess Williams, for getting me through that one. But, uh, no, that's, that's, that's what happens at Bristol sometimes. There's a lot of good cars that get taken out and... Glad we weren't one of them. Can you feel that momentum from your team when you come out winning two road course races, then you go to Bristol? Can, can you feel that kind of excitement through them? Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's been really great for, for a lot of reasons. Obviously, you know, to be, be able to win for Team Penske, to be able to, you know, obviously locked in the playoffs. We're getting those very important playoff points. You know, heading into the, heading into the playoffs this year, I'm going to have more playoff points than I've ever had in NASCAR. So uh, knowing, knowing that we've got that going for us, that makes our lives a little easier in the coming months. But also, there, there's a lot of guys on that team that not only have worked with me and helped me from, from my ARCA days or truck series days, but there's three or four guys on my team that have never won a NASCAR and have been in the sport for a while. And, and to be able to bring that with, for them, you know, with my first win in the series, you know, all that compiled together is, is, is really great for the team, really great for, for our, obviously our momentum, but then to come back to the shop and, you know, feel that momentum, feel everyone working harder to, you know, make sure these next couple of months are worth it. It's a big deal. And we even have callers that are pumped about you here. We're going to start with Anthony on the line. you got a question for Austin. Go ahead. Yes, I do. And uh, so, Austin, you and I are one month apart in age since my birthday was this month and yours is next month. But with that aside, though, what are your expectations of Road America as you go for your third straight road course win? Yeah, I think I think we're gonna have pretty tough competition. Honestly, um, you got guys like AJ Allmendinger, uh, obviously coming back in the in the ten car. Uh, Matt De Benedetto obviously had an amazing weekend last weekend. He'll be in the eighteen, which has been a great car. And uh, and then obviously our, our, our season regulars. I think Bell's done a really good job on the road courses. And um, but but our road course races always have some sort of a curveball thrown at us. You know, it, you got to be in the top five if if you don't run off the racetrack at, at, at a place like Road America. So. 
uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a dog fight, and got to got to have a blue collar day to be there at the end. Yeah, the challenges of Road America versus uh, the two road courses at, at Watkins Glen and Mid Ohio. What what do you face this weekend? One, the track's a lot longer, so I, I think it plays different roles for the strategies you can play. Uh, tire degradation's a lot longer, but or a lot more, but you, but you can do more with with when you pit and versus versus your restarts and, and trying to anticipate those things. And uh, there's more passing zones at Road America because you have the really big break zones in Turn Five and Canada Corner. So. I think there's more opportunities for a lot of different things, but there's 14 turns on the racetrack, so there's a lot more opportunities to screw it up at the same time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's such an exciting race to watch. We're going to go back to the phones. Oh, happy early birthday, Anthony, since you're a month apart. Uh, James is our next caller. James, what's on your mind? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good, buddy. Good. All right. Um, I wanted to ask Austin, um, with the two wins at Watkins Glen and Mid-Ohio, uh, does that give you more confidence going into Road America as well as uh, the playoffs for the Xfinity Series? Yeah, no doubt. I think I touched on it earlier. The, the fact that we have playoff points in the bank, uh, not only just from winning one race but two races, um, makes our playoffs a little easier, uh, knowing that, that we can you know, have solid days and still be able to move forward. But um, yeah, I think I think it gives us momentum, but at the same time, there's different challenges between each racetrack. The challenges we had at Watkins Glen were, you know, trying to outrun the 18, and then when the 18 was gone, you know, I knew it was going to be me and AJ to the end of the race and figuring out, okay, what strategy can we do to to, to try and flip things here? And then Mid Ohio, we obviously have a dominant car, and we've got to play defense all day. So, uh, trying to understand what our strengths and weaknesses are at uh, at Road America and uh, give it our best. So I know after you won at Watkins Land, you did something the next day that's a little bit different than what most drivers do as they enjoy their first win. Uh, you actually spotted. Yeah, I spotted in for, the Cup race. Yeah, I spotted for Palmenard in the Cup race, which was cool. Um, cool, cool for those guys. At least trust me to, to be able to do that. But I, I promise you, the first three restarts of that Cup race, I was in the S's. So I mean, they pop out of the trees at the fastest part of the racetrack. Um, luckily, they have Menards on the car, so it's the brightest car you can find it easy. <laughs> but those first three restarts of that Cup race were were more nerve-wracking for me than the last three laps of the, the Xfinity race uh, on, on the Saturday before. So it was a lot of fun. I actually had fun um, the later the race went, but it was, it was a good experience for me for sure. And you got a front-row seat to that uh, brake check with Kyle Busch and William <laughs> Byron. Made it a little more exciting. We've got another James on the line. James, what's your question? Hey, how y'all doing? Um, I just really wanted to ask Austin, who was his inspiration uh, starting in his career? That's a great question, James. Yeah. yeah, so I've been really lucky to be around a lot a lot of different race car drivers in my life. You know, growing up around the IndyCar side of things with my dad, uh, growing up around guys like Elio and Jill DeFerrin and, and those guys being able to you know, kind of be like like big brothers to me in, in some sense. So in, in a way, I, I really looked up to those guys. And then once we moved to North Carolina, you know, having someone like Sam Hornish get into the NASCAR stuff really got me, you know, thinking about, oh, NASCAR, that'd be, that'd be a cool thing to try out or do. So actually, when I started racing, I had 77 on all my cars because that was Hornish's number at the time. Yeah. But uh, it's been really cool to, to grow up around that, that, that kind of an environment, um, to have someone like Rick Mears who goes to all the IndyCar races. And, and he's, been, he's been really cool to, you know, have him in my back pocket if I ever need advice or, you know, even just him sending me a text saying, good job the last weekend. I mean, that's, that's Rick Mears sending you a text. That's, a that's, that's yeah. awesome. So to, <laughs> to be able to grow up around uh, people like that, it's been, that's, that's been a great opportunity for me in my career. Well, thanks for being here, man. Good luck this yeah. weekend. No pressure. Dale's going to be calling the race. Just a Hall of Famer. I yeah, hope so. Right. 
just kick some butt up there, but uh, whoever is there, just be gentle when you pick them up, if you will. <laughs> I'll work on it. Okay, like your style. That's Austin Sendrick. Coming up, we got more tales from the tower with today's guest, David Hoots. Stay with us. There he is. Look at this strong guy. Woo! This sport is built on rivalries and big moments. So how do you make that decision to get involved or not? It's to black flag somebody, to penalize somebody in the heat of that battle. You have to look at it and judge it on its own merit for that particular event. And depending on the different calls, some of the calls are very much a black and white call as far as the black flag goes. The 99 has turned over Brad Keselowski. Carl Edwards has been told, take your car back to the garage, put it on the truck and go home. Some of them that are that are questionable, uh, depending on which side of the ledger you would be on, would be Labonte and Earnhardt up at Bristol. Oh, and Earnhardt spits him out. Didn't mean to really turn around, meant to rattle his cage over. He never has any intention of taking anybody out. It just happens that way. The team that's in race control gets together, discusses it very quickly, and decides and, and makes the best decision they can. They're tough calls. A lot of them would be with aggressive driving or somewhat of the behavioral penalties. Kenseth takes him out. If the 20 of Matt Kenseth can continue, NASCAR has said he will be parked. When you make that call, that tough call that you know the driver's not going to like, do you feel like he gets over it? Or do you feel like that feeling lingers like NASCAR's out to get me? I think over time they get over it or they'll they'll they will approach NASCAR. Do they completely get over it? I doubt it, but uh, they have invested so much in that race, I wouldn't expect them to get over it. I wouldn't want it. I want a competitor that wants to compete. Tony Stewart chucked his helmet. Man, that helmet toss. Do you remember that one like it was yesterday? Not yesterday, but maybe the last week. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. This is so exciting. David Hoots is here. That was some of Hoots' tales. It's so cool to see you explain to people how some of these processes work because for so many of us, we, I at least never had any idea how things work. You know, I would hear, oh, black flag is out, and you go, what, what happened? What, who did what? It's cool that you guys are taking that time to help the fans really understand. Well, it, they, they need to understand. They're invested into it as much as anybody. Sure. Um, and a lot of times over, over your career, they would just hear or see one part of it. And instead of trying to convince them that they're wrong, let's look at all the details. Then you tell me what you would do based on this verbiage or that verbiage or this procedure or that. And a lot of times after you walked them through what you were basing it on, they had, they had converted their way of thinking, uh, probably still not happy because usually it involved their favorite driver of course, or, <laughs> or their most, uh, uh, I won't say hated, but uh, the one that didn't want the most. Their so, least favorite. So, yeah, perhaps. at least uh, that's the proper English. We'll get Nate to help us in a little bit on proper English, but uh, I'll, I'll continue using my southern drawl. How's in, that? In that vein, before we get to the phones, I want to know who came up with the phrase, put it out. Actually, it was in place uh, before 
I was in race control. The first one that I recall using it was Bill Gazaway. He was uh, vice president of competition. Uh, and before that, he had been the, uh, the uh, competition series director and had worked his way up. Uh, Bill was, was a former Marine, and this was very direct, put it out. And, and the way that he would, he would say it, and, and I know Dale knew, knew him, um, but he would tell Harold Kinder, all right, Harold, put it out. And it was very slow, but it was very deliberate. And, and Bill did a wonderful job doing what he was doing because he was coordinating a lot of the race activities that have now had been divided out. Mm. He was, not only was he the race director, he was dispatching the safety equipment and whatever. It's not an envious position, and it just, it was multitasking to another degree. Yeah, right. Saying it that slow, you could run a half lap at Bristol. So right. you know, things happen. <laughs> you you know. pick up a few so spots with the, <laughs> with the wreck happen. What about, could you tell us, and I know it's tough because there have been a lot of these guys, who's the, when you think about the biggest pain in the butt, either driver or crew chief, someone that you felt like, I'm going to have to tangle with this guy, who, who was it? I, I would say Tim Brewer. Uh, really? So, some of it may be that we had grown up in the, the same area and kind of had some of the same mindset, which is uh, probably stubborn in uh, um, one way or another. But Tim was also very competitive. Sure. And and that's the thing that you have to always throw back on, on some of these drivers and crew chiefs. And They're very competitive. And that's, that is part of how you can have a passion for this sport that competitive nature. You don't want a bunch of people out there that's not intense and in doing what they're doing. Right. Good way to put it. Yeah, exactly. So do you have like a favorite track that we went to or that you went to for so many years? I, I think, honestly, I have really three. Um, somewhat the, the regional around the North Carolina area, but Bristol, Martinsville, and Darlington. I, 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 I look at Darlington very similar to you're walking into a cathedral of racing. Like if you walked into Fenway or Lambeau Field in football or what, this, this is history. You're, you're not tap dancing around history. You're history. And then the amount of time that I've spent up at Martinsville in Bristol, uh, I have a tendency to like the short tracks a little bit more. I think the intensity level is usually ramped up a little bit more and, uh, those two come to mind uh, back in the day, uh, and even when Dale was coming up through his career, we were running four times at Martinsville with the two triple headers uh, with, the, with the Modifieds and the Xfinity cars and the K&N series that were there uh, along with the, the Cup uh, races there. So we were going into Martinsville. That is another historical track that I think uh, does a really fine job. And when you look at it came online the same time as Darlington in 48. So it, it's, it's got the history. It's, it's, it just doesn't have the notoriety of, of, of the massive tracks. Sure. But, and then you, you, you take and watch how Mr. Earls uh, cut his teeth on it and did things that he was never going to let it get behind the other tracks because there was a period of time that everybody was leaving the short tracks. Sure, They kept doing everything they needed to do to keep that track on these, the senior circuit, if you will, at the time. And it was a show place to boot. Plus, the one thing, and I hate to say this because I'm from North Carolina, but it uh. seems to be like fans from Virginia 
are true, true race fans. Yes. They would come out and go into Richmond when it would be 32 degrees right after Daytona and oh, watch yeah. them show up yeah. or race there, race at Martinsville. They are true fans. They're great fans everywhere. They are really Saw, intense. And you see that, for the record, you still see that today because when Kyle and I were there doing racing routes with Denny Hamlin, it's still true. Coming up, our grassroots tour across America heads to a place that's near and dear to my heart. That's right, my home state of Georgia. Stay tuned. My track, my roots. My home track is Atlanta Motor Speedway, just not the big track. It's that quarter mile on the front straightaway. That's where I ran my first real race. So I was 11 years old, and my father was going to run the Legends car in the Bandolero Series for the state of Georgia. I had so many memories at Atlanta Motor Speedway being a race fan, watching the NASCAR races come into town. I mean, that was such a highlight for me. But the best memories that I have are during the summer month. I raced 30, 40 times uh, during that 10 or 12-week period while we were out of school, so just being around the racetrack. The track that I raced at the most uh, in the state of Georgia was Lanier Speedway. Such a perfect three-eighths mile short track. It's got a beautiful grandstand that's kind of set in a hillside almost, and so it's a really a neat little place. And racing my Legends car there, you know, before the late model show was always a big thrill. The great state of Georgia is next on our 50 States in 50 Days Tour. We're visiting Sonoya Raceway. That's right, my old home track, celebrating its 50th anniversary this season. Its biggest race is the showdown at Sonoya in late September, which draws over 150 cars. Their local legend is Clint Smith, former World Outlaws late model driver who's always there to help his fellow racers and Bubba Pollard, let's be honest. Another thing that makes Sonoya stand out is its Kalen clay surface that makes great side-by-side -side action. Thank goodness it's clay again. We went asphalt for a little while, but we're back. Yeah. Now, the thing about Sonoya Raceway is that I used to live right by there, and we would go and pull our truck up next to the fence, and you take your friends out there and go and watch. And it to me, it is like going back in time. Because you can see truly, like, this is where all this racing started, where it comes from. But, you know, you just don't get moments like that. Because Sonora Raceway is really, like, that's where, that's why people know who Bubba Pollard is. And, and watched him have the success there and take off all over the country. And to watch that guy wheel is unbelievable. Have you ever been to Sonora Raceway? No, no I haven't. No, I haven't. But we I... can make a, I can make a call for the record. <laughs> we know. can get you down there. I always loved that if I had an off weekend, I could hear them practicing, and then I'd go out there. Because by, by Saturday night, you're like, well, we ought to just go. Yeah. I mean, if I don't, I won't hear the TV anyway. Let's just go over the racetrack. <laughs> so, uh, and, and so cool to see David Reagan go there uh, and talk about, um, you know, racing routes to me, I think is what's so great is, is that for, for whoever it is, you see that stuff so real. For, for you, Bowman Gray. Same thing. You could hear the cars run from the house. And uh, at, at that point, okay, it's dad, give up. You're gonna, we're going to go over there. And, and both parents were great sports fans, and it was convenient. It was a very, a very nice facility, still is, and it has these roots that it's carried on for years. Uh, I've, I've been lucky this year. I've got up there a couple times to watch it, and, and, and I, I enjoy the, 
the the racing and the entertainment and something happens, uh, it'll recur, this and that and other, and you'll say, this is not supposed to happen, but it does. So <laughs> you, you, you ex- kind of expect the unexpected when you walk into the stadium. I bet you do. So for my track, my roots photos, let's take a look. Bowman Gray Stadium is where Burt Myers won his 10th track title in the modified division last weekend. He is a bad man behind the wheel. Hickory Motor Speedway, where Nolan Pope competes, is in the late model division. Caraway Speedway in Sophia, North Carolina. This Saturday, the track will celebrate its 54th anniversary. How cool is that? Big deal. I've never been there, but I've always wanted to go to Caraway. Yeah. Uh, now, coming up, Nate Ryan is going to be here with all of your viewer feedback. Let me say this is next. David Hoots is here. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Let me say this, people. Let me say this. Now, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say this. Sorry, caller. I'm going to say this. Let me say this. But I'm going to tell you. But I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you. But I'm telling you. But I'm telling you something. And listen, I will say it forever. (laughs) That lead-in made David Hoots laugh. You guys, great news. (laughs) Nate Ryan's here. You know what that means? It's time for... (laughs) Hashtag let me say this. And many questions for our guest tonight, David Hoots, starting with James Picaretto, who, David, he wants to know, what was it like directing the Daytona 500 in 1998 when Dale Earnhardt won. When, when you direct a, a monumental race like that and, and you're involved with, in it from a, an official capacity, what's that like for you? Well, you, you take all the races as they are, that each one is important. But I think the significance of that race is that when he comes down pit road after winning it and the respect that the competitor shown, this is the man. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's the only way to say it. This this is this is a hard bunch to earn respect from, but here is a guy that stuck with it through thick and thin, won the race, and then they had the opportunity that's just never there really to show him that respect. Yeah. That that to me was was exciting. The the race, all you know, all races you, you get excited about, but that was the real pinnacle of that race. That was a historic moment, uh, a lighthearted moment. Hashtag let me say this from Daryl Ray. He's an avid listener of yours on the radio. He wants to know, where did your term Jimmy jacking come from? Sometimes on restarts, you say, <laughs> stop this Jimmy jacking and get these cars in line. Where'd that well, come from? Well, it was an effort for me not to use several explicatives <laughs> and questioning some people's intelligence uh, when they were trying to line up and whatever. So I came up with that, and then I went back to, to NASCAR, and I said, you know, we need to put that in the rule book. And the rule book administrator at that time, I said, you're going to love the definition. I'm going to come up, and it was the act or acts that uh, made NASCAR's race control mad, but I didn't say it quite that way. I said, now let's go ahead and put that in the book. And um, he kind of frowned at me, so... <laughs> That was a great question, Daryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks for that. Daryl's uh, from Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, hashtag, let me th- say this from Matt Kocher. Uh, he is an iRacing player and says that they would love to have you join them for an iRacing event. Any, any chance of a put me out, put it out at a uh, iRacing event? Actually, I got to do the initial one when they was held over at Charlotte. I was um, in the control room with uh, iRacing to do that. And it is... Very simulating a uh, simulation to what you're actually watching on the race, and these guys are as as serious about as those that are strapping in a car. I mean, they had their game faces on because they they did both uh, types of game. Sure, I'm 
I'm not a big gadget gadget guy, but they one was the Xbox and yeah. the PlayStation. Sure. And but they were they were into it, and I sit there and, and was fortunate that that uh, they asked me to direct the first I race that we went live on. All right, well so, that's that's cool. That's neat. cool. Those are awesome. Yeah, I got one more for you from at the NASCAR Jeff. Uh, he notices that the. the phrase put it out is still heard on nascar broadcast so as the inventor of said catchphrase do you like still hearing that as the current race director says uh, it? I, I, well a lot of times i don't hear it because i'm not in the position <laughs> yeah, to, mon- to that yeah i'm not you know I, I i don't i know that there's ways to do that and uh, it was it was done as much with that semi-slang term as to not allow people to that could key into the radio network and arbitrarily throw a caution. Oh. So there was a there was a catchphrase put in there that was just put it out instead of somebody getting on the radio back at the times when they weren't encrypted or security point that they would get on and try to throw the yellow. Put the yellow out. Put and you knew that what they were trying to do and we stayed with this and it's just it's just stuck. I like like we said in that earlier piece, I would have to give the credit to Bill Gasway. Now I don't know where he got it from, but uh I I would I would love to have residuals off every time I said it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Nate, these were really great. Thank not you for great getting those from the, the, the viewers. Now, David, I'm not a Gidget Gadget guy either, but we've got Cody on the line who has a great question. Cody, what's your question for David? Well, I w- well, first, thank you for having me on the show. I was just wondering, how did, Dave, how did you get into NASCAR, and what's the best piece of advice you've received? Ooh, and now keep in mind that we're about a minute and a half off air. I so got, I got into the racing at the stadium um, by somewhat happen chance. I got introduced to a man that knew a man that I had sit there and scored the races in my mind as we want. And a couple of times during the course of the year, they would have long distance races and they would be making announcements over the PA. We need scores and we we will offset the cost of the ticket if you'll come do that. That got me in contact with the guy. And here, here is a 16-year-old kid that, by all rights at that time, you couldn't get in the pits, was offered opportunity to go get in the pits, see his heroes, watch something that, that he had a great passion for, and go on. Never in my wildest dreams did I figure I could make a career doing that. And it, one thing led to another, and I moved up the ranks. Was it a career move? No, it was just... I got to get in there and see those guys. And when you go back and look at the stadium, there's a history of something like 60-some people in the Hall of Fame that have come through there. Yeah. And and when I was there, I, I was a Glenwood fan. Yeah. Wow. David, thanks for being with us yeah. today. I appreciate you. This has been you. so awesome. If you're on the phone, stay with us because uh, coming up, we've got our YouTube show, our after show, which is on the NBC Motorsports channel right now. That's going to do it for us. Dale Jarrett, David Hoots, Nate Ryan, my Hall of Famer friend. I'm so glad you're here. We had a great time. Coming up next, though, it's Wheeling Modified Tour action from Thompson. Make sure you stay tuned. Hop over to YouTube and join us. David Hoots, everybody. Get your gadgets. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.